Welcome to Candid Catholic Convos, a program brought to you by the Catholic Diocese of Harrisburg. Our mission is to humanize the church and help you to grow in your faith, love, and understanding. I'm your host, Rachel Trochet, a cradle Catholic who's only human and struggled with faith on more than one occasion. Each week, you'll hear engaging, down-to-earth interviews and actionable strategies you can implement into your life with ease to help you grow closer to God. If you're ready to open your heart and step fully into the person God created you to be, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hey there, thanks for joining me on another episode of Candid Catholic Convos. I'm a self-proclaimed hopeless romantic. Romantic comedies, though, have never really been my thing, unless you were talking about movies like The Princess Bride or Stardust, where finding your soulmate was downright magical. Growing up, I remember daydreaming about finding my future husband. Maybe I would pass him on the street and our eyes would lock. Or maybe I'd drop my pencil one day and a literal choir of angels would sing when our hands met as we both reached to pick it up at the same time. Maybe he'd be sitting next to me on the bus, or maybe he was that guy I'd met over that one summer vacation. It was a longing for a partner that I knew was out there, somewhere, I just didn't know where. When I did meet my husband, there was no overture or a grand display of fireworks or birds chirping in harmony. There was a sense of peace. That's honestly the best way I can describe it. A sense of peace, like... No matter what happened, I knew that if he was with me, it would work out. That ache of my longing had finally been fulfilled. I say this as though it was a long time ago. In reality, it wasn't that long. But a lot has changed since I was dating. See, we didn't have dating apps and social media was just becoming a thing. The pressure was the same, though. That feeling like you were running out of time. That if you didn't meet someone in high school or college, that your last best chance was to get a job and marry someone that you worked with because your pool of partners was slowly shrinking. And now with the advent of dating apps and hookup culture and everyone delaying marriage, it feels like those of us who are married just caught the last chopper out of Vietnam. And it shouldn't be like that. Dating has become a job in and of itself. And with the current state of our culture, what hope is there for single Catholics still looking for their happily ever after? Today I'm chatting with Julianne Bartlett, a Catholic writer and lawyer who's experienced prolonged singleness, to share with us how she maintained hope, survived the holidays with nosy family members, and eventually found her Prince Charming. Julie, thank you so much for joining me today on Candid Catholic Convos. I'm really excited to have you here and to talk about singleness. And I feel like I I feel bad because this is a topic that we haven't talked about yet in the two years that Candid Catholic Convos has been around. So I'm really excited to kind of dive into this with you. Hi, Rachel. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited and honored to be here on the podcast. Would you mind, for our listeners who may not be familiar with some of your work, would you mind telling me a little bit about yourself? Sure. Well, I married my husband, Seth, at the age of 42. 
And I struggled to get to the altar to meet what I call a suitable spouse. I had always wanted to get married, and I just assumed that it would naturally happen. Um, I went to college, and then I went to law school. And I just thought, you know, after graduating law school and getting situated with a job that I would next meet, do the next logical thing, which would meet somebody and get married. Uh, and it didn't happen. And as I, um, you know, was reaching my late 20s and um, seeing all of my friends that I went to school with get married, I started to get, you know, a little concerned that it wasn't um, going to happen and like what was wrong with me. And so, and I'm going back to the late 90s, you know, with this. So um, back then, you know, people were still really getting married, you know, and I, I would ask people around me for advice and people would say to me like, you know, um, both mostly people in the church uh, that, you know, maybe you just have to accept that God doesn't have anybody for you or that he called you to be single. And not only did that really hurt me and just completely devastate me, but I, I could not accept it because I was never felt called to be single. I never considered going um, into any form of religious life, never felt that calling whatsoever. And I just could not, you know, accept that. And, you know, I can completely just was like, I have to figure out this whole thing about singleness and uh, how to, you know, what is God's opinion on it? And, you know, does he just call some people to be single, you know, apart from a religious vocation um, or, you know, a consecrated virginity and, um, you know, just to be single? And that's it, like in the world for no reason, you know, because I felt conflicted that like I couldn't really pray for a spouse if that wasn't his will for me. And so I I really dove into the the magisterium and the, the teaching. And um, I, you know, finally met a my husband at the age of 42. And um, we met um, and it's all it's really a miracle, but we met. And um, he was a um, a non-denominational Christian at the time who was divorced. And I was very hesitant to date him because I didn't want to date anybody who did not have an annulment because I take the marriage laws of the Catholic Church very seriously. And um, so we we met, dated, got his annulment, got engaged and got married all within 11 months wow. in the Catholic Church. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And we had talked earlier that you and I have been married for roughly the same amount of time. So that's that's just exciting. I love that, you know, whenever we have a plan and God's like, mm -mm, I have a better one. Yes. You just wait. So it sounds like a lot of personal experience kind of led you to this ministry. And it seems like they're, I always forget the phrase about necessity and invention. It's the mother of invention. There it is. Because it doesn't seem like there are a whole lot of resources for single people in the church. No, no, there really isn't. Um, now, definitely when I was single, there there really wasn't. I've seen some more develop. But what I have come to see is that what is out there is either written by single people themselves. And I get it. They're they're completely, you know, you know, desperate wanting, you know, resources, um, or the things that are in place are by married people who haven't struggled mm. with what I call prolonged singleness. And, um, 
And so I felt like there there really was a need for uh, a, a resource to be out there that went through um, what is the, the journey to marriage, to get from prolonged singleness to marriage. And that, that somebody who, you know, struggled with all the heartache of being single, you know, into their 40s and being told, you know, that, you know, maybe God has nobody for you or, you know, that that you've been called to be single, facing the heartache of, you know, you know, seeing your dreams, you know, you know, not come to fruition. You see all your friends get married and start families, buy homes together. And um, because that's really what's happening to an older single, they're seeing the the death of their their dreams for a future with somebody. And um, it's very painful. And and I wanted to put together something that would be a resource for for people that I had hoped would be there for me and and um, build on the um mentoring and help that I had gotten from some older women that I had met that were approximately 10 years older than me that had mentored me out of my prolonged singleness. I love that. It's, it's something that I think needs to be talked about more. It's, it's not necessarily swept under the rug, but it's, I think it's casually overlooked. And I love that, that you've taken the initiative to say, look, I've, I've been there. I know what you're going through. Let's walk through this together. I think that's awesome. So I specifically picked this week, the week of Thanksgiving for our episode, because I can imagine the holidays are are very hard for single people, especially when you're surrounded by not only families, but, you know, your own family, your extended family who may be very well intentioned, but a bit too forward with some of their questions like, you know, why haven't you found someone yet? Or when's it going to be your turn? Or, oh, did you hear so-and-so is getting married? Or, you know, you're just being picky. You know, all, all of that, that just is, it might be well-intentioned. I'm sure some of them are, are not. But how does someone work through this with their family or, or anyone really who, who asks these type of pointed questions that might not really be any of their business? I think that's a great question, Rachel. And I, and I think there's a, a couple aspects to look at and how singles can, can cope this time of year. One, it, it is painful because, you know, it's, it's a family time, you know, the holidays and, and there's several holidays. You have Thanksgiving, you have the holy days, you have Christmas, you have New Year's and, um, and, and people are together. And, and again, you're longing, not having your own family. So I think singles have to be, you know, honest with themselves and they have to admit that, okay, this is painful. Like I don't have my own family and, and, and be honest with God about that. And then, um, you know, there's, I think they can be as little or as much transparent with the people around them when they ask those types of questions, you know, they can either say, yeah, I I am looking, you know, or be like, hey, this is really painful. I I think they can also use it as an opportunity to say to people, um, you know, do you know anyone? You know, can you do you know any single people? Because I met my husband on a blind date. So um, and also, like my my mother would also you know, set me up on blind dates with people that she worked with. So I always asked people when I was single to do that. So if people are asking, I would not be hesitant to, you know, use it as opportunities to, to, you know, be like, if you know anybody, please, you know, you know, introduce me. But 
I think people can set boundaries with how much of their own pain that they want to share with. The other thing is to remember, and this was a huge turning point for me in my prolonged singleness. It was the um, holidays. I, I met my husband in March of 2000, or I'm sorry, April of 2010. It was that advent beforehand. And an advent, we know, is a time of hope. It's a time of waiting. And I was really angry with God. And I think it's important to be to be honest about your anger with God over this. Like God's big enough to handle it. And and he knows that you're angry. So you're not hiding anything from God. And um, I was, you know, you know, I remember I was just, you know, being like, you know, I'm, you know, 41. I've, you know, missed out on all these things. It's another holiday that I'm, you know, not going to have anybody. And, um, you know, no, no home. I was living in an apartment. And I, you know, didn't just didn't want to go through it again. And I was just thinking of everything that I've missed out on in life. And that's when I had this huge, like, word from God in the scriptures where he, I'd never seen the scripture before. And he had led me to the scripture in my reading in the book of Job. And he said that it says in there that God blessed the later part of Job's life more than he blessed the earlier part. I was like, I didn't even know that somebody's later part of their life could be (laughs) more blessed than the earlier part. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I always thought everybody's earlier part was blessed, you know, because that's when you start to, you know, you experience things. You get your first job. You get married. You have children. You do all these things. And I, I missed all of that. Like I was mourning the loss of those dreams. And that really is a loss. Like people who have prolonged singleness and they marry later. And for like me, like not being able to, my husband and I weren't able to have children. Um, you know, that is a real loss and that has to be looked at and, and grieved and, and honored. But God still can bless the later part of your life more than the earlier part. And um, and I took that as a promise from God that, you know, he was going to bless the later part of my life more. And and I did meet my husband that, you know, April. And so I think, you know, singles can embrace Advent as, you know, being honest about their pain, but also seek God, you know, with that and, and hold on to that scripture. That's so true that it's it's such a it's such a time of hope. And like, I love that God puts these little like winks in things like anytime that I was was struggling with whatever, whether it was depression or anxiety or infertility or whatever, I noticed that when I would go to mass that week, all of a sudden, like the gospel, like or something in the homily, it was like almost put there for me. So I love that you're able to find that hope in the scripture, especially during the season of hope, it just, it just makes, makes so much sense. And I love that you were able to rephrase the questions and turn it into, well, how can you, how can you find help? How can you find the hope in, in that, in that, you know, you knew some of these people weren't necessarily trying to, you know, poke and dig. They were, they were genuinely wanting to help and they didn't know how, and you were like, well, here's how you can help. I thought, I think that's, I think that's brilliant. Um, I want to go back to that question of picky though, because I feel like, I feel like that one stings a little bit. Um, is there a difference between being picky and having unfair expectations when it comes to dating? Um, how can we tell the difference and essentially manage realistic expectations of, of what you're looking for when you're dating? Sure. I, I do. I got 
that's said to me as well. So I think that's a common thing that um, people say. And I think people are well-meaning. I, I think people, I think you and I had said this earlier before when we were talking that people just don't know what to do with like singles. Like it's because what I call it, I call prolonged singleness a modern phenomenon. Mm. Like this is the first time in like history that we're dealing with like huge populations of people not marrying or marrying later. And if you look at the Bureau of Statistics with the government, you can see the, the population going up in age, less marriage, you know, when they're first marrying and marriages are are happening less. So it really, it truly is a modern phenomenon. There's a lot of variables that have led into this and everything. So I think people are at a loss as to like, well, how can I help you? So they just, you know, are well-meaning, but maybe don't think how it can hurt them. Um, you know, people would say to me, well, marriage is really hard. And I'm like, like, I wouldn't be able to handle it, you know? So like, I'm like, I went to law school, like I <laughs> took the bar exam. That was really hard. Like right. I can, I can do marriage. So, um, um, so I think with the pickiness issue, I, I think for the most part, I don't think that is what keeps people from getting married. I think in, in rare, and this is just my personal opinion. I think in rare instances, people who have commitment issues might be like, well, I don't like their hair color or I don't like, you know, the shape of their nose or something, <laughs> you know, because they're looking for a reason to get out of it. I think that, um, the important thing to remember is that everybody's marrying a sinner you know like my husband got a sinner I got a sinner <laughs> and and I think that um that's the whole purpose of marriage I mean th yes the bigger purpose is to reflect the trinity and reflect God's you know image to the world around us but we need marriage like marriage is a, is a need like like I I need it that sacrament in my life, I needed to have someone in my life that was going to make me see myself for who I really was, um, and want to work on my issues. And, um, and in addition to not being alone, um, because God said it wasn't good for man to be alone. And, and that was man, like human being, right, <laughs> not <right>. male man. <laughs> um, and, and so I think we people have to remember they're not going to get somebody who's perfect and and to learn to use discernment between red flags and and okay they're they're just this is you know they're a sinner like they're not perfect absolutely and building off of of off of red flags and we talked a little bit earlier about that that feeling feeling desperate and creating like a scarcity mindset almost around like I have to get married or, or like if I don't do it now it's never going to happen and almost forcing a relationship so how do we avoid that scarcity mindset um, but not ignore things like red flags yeah and that and that applies to so many trials that we face not just like a prolonged singleness mindset as well I think it's like remembering um, that that God, you know, he has so many resources that we don't have. And, and that, you know, especially today, like for singles, that it seems almost like there's no good spouse to be found. And that, um, and that, you know, 
it's like I might as well take this little crumb that's here, you know, because there's nobody else to be found. Right. Or what if I don't find anybody else? Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like I'm it's better than being alone. Mm-hmm. And um and it's it's ne- that's never good. Like God I always tell people, like when I talk to them, that to always look at Hebrews chapters 11 and 12, I call them the the faith chapters, that God is, and I think almost in every trial that we have, God's after our faith. Um, You know, it says in the scriptures that without faith, it is impossible to please God and that um, all who come to him have to believe that he exists and he rewards those who faithfully seek him. And so I think he always wants us to believe that he is good and that he, you know that that we really can't do anything on our own that you know it says somewhere i think in the gospels um that you know um apart from me you can do nothing mm. so i think like remembering that you know when we come to the end of our own like you know resources that god's resources just began like where we see an ending he sees a beginning and um and and we all fall into that like you know i i definitely did like when i was single i remember you know staying in you know relationships longer than i should be like okay this isn't going to go to marriage you know um, either because this person's not going to take it to marriage or i'm not going to marry this person but why am i staying in it then but I was afraid to leave for the reasons you said, because I didn't believe that God was going to bring me somebody. And and that's trusting God's care, not trusting God's character, that he loved me enough or that he was good enough. And and it was, you know, that's that scarcity mindset. It's a faith issue. And it's the more we try to know the truth about what God teaches about himself, about marriage itself. Um, and the calling to marriage, I think we can get out of that scarcity mindset. Absolutely. And I forget what verse it is, but just that feeling that, that God will always provide. And I think I, I personally forget that a lot of times. I'm like, I have to, I have to do this. I have to, or even in the secular world, especially in, in the social media space, I see a lot of people like wanting to manifest things or having an abundance mindset. And, and you have to go back to it's, but it's not all you like because like you said, without God, we can do nothing. So just reliant, like regardless of what it is, a prolonged singleness, infertility or just, you know, financial issues. It's we need to trust that God has our best interest at heart and and have faith that that he has plans for our lives. I want to go back to something you said about ending the relationship because you either you know or you don't think that the the other person that it's going to end in marriage. I remember when I started dating, I think it was like 15 or 16, my mom had bought me a book called I Kissed Dating Goodbye. And I remember the gist of this book was like you said if you don't see yourself with this person in 10, 20, 30 years down the road happily married, then you need to end it now. Essentially, it was I had a date with marriage in mind. And to be honest, I stopped reading it. Because while I agree that if you can't see yourself married to this person, it's it's best to end it for both of you. I also felt like it put a lot of pressure on all of my relationships. So touching back on realistic expectations, how should Catholics date with the vocation of marriage in mind without adding any unnecessary pressure? Because I'm sure 
a lot of people experiencing prolonged singleness are already feeling a whole heck of a lot of pressure. Exactly, exactly. And I just want to share that I know that book. (laughs) (laughs) And I highly encourage anybody who's listening not to read it. (laughs) Okay, it wasn't just me then. (laughs) And and I'll share too that um, um, I was raised Catholic and that I had left the Catholic Church uh, when I was in my late teens, early 20s. And um, spent 10 years in the evangelical world. And so when I was in the evangelical world, that book came out. And so it had a very devastating effect on the um, people that people just stopped dating mm-hmm. altogether because they were like, we shouldn't date. And um, and that, you know, God will just bring somebody into your life and you will know that that's the person that, you know, is you're going to marry. So you cannot date. You just have to know right away that that's the person that, you know, is you're supposed to marry. And um, I, I think it's very bad theology. And I think the author is he has actually done a documentary that people can see and has recanted a lot of that book. Mm. Uh, and so I want to uh, share that one, God works through established practices. And if we look, you know, and he does miracles through our established practices, too. We have dating now. Like, you know, years ago, there were courting and God worked through courting. And if we look in the uh, Old Testament, he, you know, there was, you know, the book of uh, Ruth, he worked through that. That was a Leverite marriage, I believe, um, if I'm pronouncing it correctly. He worked to bring Ruth and Boaz together. And so now we have dating. And I think there's it's important to distinguish for singles that there's a difference between dating using biblical principles. And I have a three-part series on how to use biblical principles on my website, on my on my blog, and and then versus maybe how the world defines dating. Like maybe you're just I'm dating this person. It's my boyfriend. We have no intention of ever getting married. We could be cohabitating, or maybe not cohabitating, but we're definitely having premarital sex. And you know that's that's our version of dating, but you can definitely have godly dating and you know dating with someone. I think for the most part, um, it's impossible to just meet somebody, uh, you know, and know within that first date if you're going to marry that person. So you have to get to know them. But if you're dating, you know, someone, you know, for maybe three months and you see things about them that you're like, I know I'm never going to marry this person, then it's time to end the relationship because. Like as you're older, which I start to tell women, because I would tell myself this, time is not on my side anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Because like when you're young, you can like waste time. Not that I think it's right to, to do that because you could be leading another person on. And that's not loving. That's not charitable. Um, because that person really could have feelings for you and, and that's, you know, hurtful to the other person. Um, we should do everything in love. But if you want to get married, and that is the vocation um, for people, unless they're called to forsake it, to follow Christ, then then you're wasting your time and you're not getting into your vocation. That's a really great way to think about it. I love that. And I will be sure to link that that blog post in our in the show notes so that anybody who's curious can can go see. My journey through singleness was was not as prolonged as I'm sure a lot of other people's are, but it was there and there was even a season of infertility, which is a similar sort of waiting and grieving period 
But one of the phrases I kept hearing was, you know, getting married or in the case of infertility, having a baby isn't going to solve all your problems. At the time, I was like, well, yeah, it would. I mean, because that's that's what I want. And it's be giving me what I want. I'd I'd be married or I'd have a baby. And looking back, you know, with new glasses, because I didn't have glasses before, what it meant was it was it was a call to invest in myself first. So how do we invest in our lives now and find fulfillment outside of a relationship, really build a life of meaning, and then bring someone into it? That's a great question. And and I've been asked that before as well. I see, I see the, um, well, let me, let me first backtrack before I do that I've been told that you know too and um and so I I I agree and and I disagree when people say that that you know like if somebody was struggling with no food or without a job you, you definitely need food and you definitely need a job and um and those answers to those you know problems would definitely resolve some issues, just like getting married would resolve a need and an issue. Telling people, well, it's not going to take care of all your problems. Yeah, all your problems aren't going to go away by getting married. Like I still have certain problems in my life that I had before I met my husband. And I have some problems that are gone that I didn't have. I mean, I had before I met him. And then I have some new problems. I'm sure we all have, you know, and my husband has some new problems <laughs> that I brought. Um, and that's, that's marriage. Mm-hmm. And, but, but marriage definitely, I believe is a need and just like up there with um, work and food, even though our society doesn't, you know, see it that way. And I, I think that people are, are misgiving when they say that to people. However, I believe when you're in prolonged singleness, it's kind of like you're on a train track and there's two tracks to your life and you should be working like, like how I, how I worked my life and what I recommend to people is that one track is like, you're doing everything you can to get married. Like you're putting yourself out there, you're working on your issues that could be preventing you from, you know, attracting a suitable spouse. And I always say a suitable spouse, because that's what God said in Genesis, there was no suitable spouse to be found for Adam. Like you just don't marry anybody to be married. It's a suitable spouse for you. And, um, and then um, you're praying, you're seeking God, because apart from God, you can't do anything because ultimately only God can get you married. And um, but then the other track, like the other piece of the rail on the track is like you're living your life. Like I was still living my life while I was getting married. Like I was, you know, I had a career and um, I was doing that and I was, you know, going out with friends. I was, you know, traveling. I was, you know, I never stopped doing those things because not, not only should you not be doing those things, those things help you survive the prolonged singleness. Those things are, you know, important to, you know, help you keep going, um, and, and help you, you know, become, you know, whatever your interests are, you know, they, they keep you as a well-rounded person. I was just thinking that about it creates a really well-rounded life. And it's not like you can just put your life on hold while you wait for a spouse or wait for whatever it is you're waiting for. I mean, the time is going to pass whether you do something or not. Exactly. So you may as well do something. Yeah. I love that. Um, But I can imagine that walking through an extended season of singleness or prolonged singleness would bring mental health challenges as well. Like 
feeling like, well, there must be something wrong with me if I can't find a spouse or, or maybe I'm not lovable or I'm not worthy. What advice would you have for someone who's walking through those types of challenges? It definitely does. I um, talk to a lot of single women who feel this way. And I myself, you know, felt not only those things that you just said, they feel really hopeless. They feel like God's forgotten about them. Mm. And and that's why I named my my website Passion of Hope, because passion actually comes from the root word that means to suffer. And so I think it's the suffering of our hope. And in Proverbs, it says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. But um, a, a yearning fulfilled is a tree of life. And so I think that the biggest challenge for, you know, prolonged singleness and people suffering with it is, is to find hope. But when you find hope, it's, um, it's not like, oh, I just found hope, and I always have it. (laughs) That hope gets dashed over and over again. Like with every date you go on that doesn't work out, or somebody says something like at the holidays that makes you feel like hopeless. And, and then you have to like, go back to, you know, like, prayer to seek God or like, you know, even like what I call like, I always tell people like, to put together like a team marriage, I encourage people to get two or three people just keep it very small, um, who absolutely believe in your married future, like they can't have any doubt, it can't be somebody who's like a little wavy or iffy on it, they have to believe that God's going to get you married. Because then they step in the gap for you, when you hit that rock bottom for those moments and you you can call them and talk to them and they like lift you up kind of like when that paralyzed man his friends lowered him through the roof and it was because of that faith of those friends that Jesus healed that man Mm. and so my my friends I had three friends that I relied on very heavily (laughs) in my my prolonged singleness and they got me through I love that. It might, it kind of reminds me, my, um, my husband is in the army and they say that military families are so resilient. And after a while you hear that so many times and you're like, yeah, but do you understand resilient means that I had to be break and then be rebuilt like several times and it gets exhausting after a while. It, 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 you're right. There's that, that sense of hopelessness and just directionlessness and, but it's with the faith like if, if you can't carry it by yourself, having somebody else to carry it with you helps a lot. And like you said, with that, I love that story of um, the friends lowering the paralyzed man and, and for Jesus to save them. And it was it was their faith. It was their belief that he would be healed, that Jesus was like, yeah, you're right. He is going to be healed. I, I think that that's I think that's awesome. Kind of building off of like the mental health challenges and like maybe we've been on several dates and we're still not finding anybody. What are your tips for managing heartbreak? Especially if you're like super invested in somebody and you really think that maybe this is, maybe this is the one. Sure. And that's hard. Cause I, you know, I was, you know, been down that road as well. And, um, it, it's really tough. Like the journey, the journey to marriage is really difficult. You have to think of yourself like the Israelites, like coming out of Egypt and you're in the desert and you have to think like, I'm going to get to that promised land and I'm going to, I'm not going to go down without a fight. Like, and, and it's going to be a painful fight. (laughs) (laughs) 
the full 12 rounds (laughs) yes yes (laughs) and and one i would be like it's going to be painful own that it's going to be painful Mm. and and embrace it but you can i think you can like minimize the pain in the sense of like learning biblical dating principles and and i've partnered with um another lady who married at 42 the same age as me in the year 2011 (laughs) and um we've offered um, a course just this past summer on teaching dating principles for biblical dating principles to people. And, um, you know, it's very countercultural because our culture has gone so the other way, you know, and um, so it's, and, and I think God set it up that way. It's, it's, it's so that, you know, to, to help minimize that pain on people. And, and so there's that. And then it's also, I think it's really important for people to learn their true calling. I call it the vocation awakening. And it's, um, it's based on scripture and the teaching of the Catholic catechism that, um, in, especially in the catechism, it says in section 1603, that God put the vocation of marriage into the very being of, um, of the human being. Um, and so I call it a universal calling to marriage. And so everybody has it. And then in, I think it's section 1618, some people are called to forsake that, the great good of marriage, to follow the lamb wherever he may go. And so some people, you know, like are called to, to you know, whether it's the priesthood, you know, consecrated life, a brother or sister, um, and, and so know that you're called to marriage. Now, Jesus himself in Matthew 19 talks about three reasons that people don't marry. There's only three reasons. So we, we get that from Jesus. And that was where I really learned like, okay, I'm not called to just be single, like for no reason, like to, you know, go work for corporate America and just live here in my apartment by myself. And he says that some people are born not capable of marriage. Um, some people are made incapable of marriage by others, and some forsake the great good of marriage to follow, you know, the lamb or for the kingdom of God. And so I realized that prolonged singleness is really under that second category, that people um, suffer from fr- prolonged singleness because of other people. And that could be society, because marriage is being delayed more, like they're told, like, go to college. Get, become financially independent before you get married and I'm I'm all pro like getting an education I myself obviously have a college degree and a law degree <laughs> um, so I'm not saying don't do that but if you're really waiting until life is perfect to get married you're gonna wait forever I think God intended us to marry young a lot younger than we're seeing today and to build a life together and he blesses that. It says that he who finds a wife finds a good thing and earns favor from the Lord. So he blesses that. So all of that is to say, if you know the truth of what the scriptures are, the truth sets you free. And that that brings hope. And and that will help you persevere when you are experiencing all of this heartbreak. Mm, that's that's very powerful. It's it's a it's a good mindset to have to just make sure that you are keep that you keep moving forward and like keep your eye on what God has, has called you for. And I, I, I love what you said about um, that sometimes we've been made incapable of marriage 
by other people. Maybe it was a bad relationship. Maybe it was not having a good example of what a good relationship looks like at home or, you know, outside. I, I, I think there's so many instances of kids whose parents separate when they're, when they're younger or who have been brought up in a household that might have been abusive or, you know, emotionally neglectful, that they have this idea that marriage isn't all it's cracked up to be. And maybe that's why they're delaying or maybe um, they're carrying that trauma and that heartbreak into relationships, which is also negatively affecting the other person. It's just this cycle. But um, you're right. If you keep your eye on that God has called us to this or he's, he's either called us to it or he's called us to forsake it. Um, for religious life that that trust in God and everything works out. Exactly, exactly. And the truth, knowing that truth, I think, you know, which is so different than what the world tells you, it, it, it'll it help you stay that straight and narrow and then getting the support from your team marriage, you know. And, and I, what I've seen, too, with a lot of women today, and I, and I this was part of my issue, and you may not just be one reason, you may have a couple reasons that are, you know, contributing to the prolonged singleness. And that was the case for me as well. I think a lot of women feel like they're betraying themselves if they, you know, get married, that, that it's not okay to, you know, to depend on a man or to not be the strong, independent woman. And, um, and, and, I'm here, you know, to say it's okay to get married. Like you have permission to get married. And and I get that because I needed permission to get married. That was a, for me a long time. Like it wasn't okay, even though I desperately wanted it. So women, they're conflicted. Like I really want love. I really want marriage, but I don't feel like I can have permission to get it because the world is giving them that message. Right. Or that misinterpretation of the phrase, you know, wives must be submissive to their husband. And everybody cites that as like, well, I'm, I'm not going to do that because I am, I am woman, hear me roar. And it's, it's, that's not what it means. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Going back to perseverance, what tips do you have for maintaining perseverance and remaining joyful in this season of life? And where can people go to find more resources. Sure, sure. Well, the perseverance is, you know, looking, um, you know, for that truth, getting, putting a team marriage together. Um, we, I have um, on my Instagram page, I have done, um, there's some videos there. We did like a, uh, the, the person who I did a, um, the class with, we also did a hope challenge earlier this year. So we have those videos um, on how to find and maintain hope. And um, they're they're out there. There's I have a resource page on my website, which is passionofhope.com, with um, some books and an article that I used during my singleness. And they um, I found them extremely you know helpful to me. And I also have a free um, freebie that people can download. I call it the um, I call it Prolonged Singleness: The ABC Guide to Breaking Free. It's about ten pages, and it's kind of like a journal with some prompts and scriptures um, to kind of jumpstart your relationship with God to you know seek Him. Because I always say to people, I can't get you married, but I can point you to God to seek him because he can get you married. So it's kind of jumpstarting that journey to, you know, begin, you know, praying and looking at, you know, different mindsets and issues of, you know, how your thoughts may be like, you know, like, do you have hope? You know, 
the biggest thing is that people can't even admit like that's the first step admitting that you want marriage like people are afraid to admit it um because they are afraid it won't come true right like if i speak this into existence then then it's like telling somebody your birthday wish when you blow out the candle exactly exactly and I also have a link to my author page at catholicmatch.com, which I have 10 articles published there as well. Awesome. Well, I'm definitely going to have to link that in our show notes as well. So Julie, thank you. Thank you so much for joining me. And I hope that those who are experiencing a single, a prolonged singleness, especially during the holidays, um, were able to find hope in this discussion today. And I hope that they are able to Um, find the resources through your website and maintain perseverance thank you so much for having me this was just so great and i i really hope to give hope to singles for marriage thank you so much for listening our goal at the diocese of harrisburg is to walk with you on your faith journey so if this episode resonated with you in any way the easiest way to show your appreciation is by sharing this program with your network or by leaving a review on your listening platform. You can also support us financially by making a donation online at hbgdiocese.org DAC and clicking the make a donation button. Thanks again, and we'll see you at church on Sunday.